0: Howdy, y'all! I'm doing the intro weird, because it's a wimpy bite, and that's just what's fucking happening now. Uh, what's up? This is a shorter episode of What Is My Podcast About, where we're just gonna fucking talk about the new Mortal Kombat movie, because we finally got to see it, and we wanted to talk about it last week, but we couldn't. So we're talking about it fucking now, and you're dealing with it, and you're accepting it, and moving on with your life. Why is the intro taking me more worse than normal? Uh, my name is Peter Gersakerly, I'm your host as usual, I'm joined as always by... I'm not going to call you guys faithful because you fucking dunked on me last time for using that word. So my friendly co-hosts, Keith Ramsey. Still debatable. Holy fuck, okay. And Matthew Graves. Hello. I will be as friendly as possible this time. Good, at least me and Matt are so friends. And by me and Matt, I mean Matt is friends with me and I don't know if I'm friends with (laughs) him.
1: Fuck, alright, just jumping right in. Let's talk about this movie. So before that, it goes without saying, but I think I'm going to say this just because the movie literally just came out as of recording this a day ago. And as of this going up live, about four days ago... Spoilers! Spoilers. Yeah, spoiler
0: alert! If you click on the video entitled... Or not the video, the podcast titled Mortal Kombat 2021, we're going to talk about the movie that just came out because we just watched it. Be forewarned, we're going to spoil shit. We understand if you clicked on this one
2: accidentally thinking it was about the 1995 movie that we just did an episode on, but... Or if you thought
0: we released a wimpy bite about Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which we won't, sorry... Unless you Uh, asked for it. Okay, no. We're just not going to do it.
1: (laughs) Uh, If I see at least three comments of Mortal Kombat Annihilation on the post for this video, I'll do it. I'll force Peter. I'll force Peter to watch it. We won't. And then he'll tell us about the story. God, that sounds so much worse. All right, fuck it. I'm in. All right, that's what's happening. If you guys comment, (laughs) if three separate people comment. All right. um, So uh, the reason I wanted to also give the spoilers because I want to point one thing out in Peter can attest to this that when the trails are coming out and the whole question about who Cole was became a thing, I decided to call my shot and I said, I'm calling it now. Cole is going to be the descendant of, of Scorpion. Yeah. And I thought this was going to be the big end act revelation. Now we find it about like 30 we minutes into the movie. Find,
0: find out in the first fucking scene of the movie. It's very mm-hmm. heavily hinted and then
1: confirmed 30 minutes later. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Second scene, we find out.
2: First scene, we have an inkling that, hey, he's got a descendant now. Well,
1: because we get the opening, uh, you know, Hanzo death scene and his family dying, but the baby was, like, not gone. Then Raiden picks up the baby and then goes and then leave. And then all of a sudden we get starts. Cole tying yellow wraps around his hand. Yeah, you know.
0: So, before we talk about this movie, I have one quick thing to say, which is, before we watched this movie a couple hours ago, like two hours ago, Keith pointed out that the reviews for this movie... Had it at 54%, and I just need to come out and say right now, the reviews are fucking wrong. This movie's perfect. There's like two changes I would make to it. Other than that, it's amazing. Yeah, anyone who
2: gave that review is uh, just sorely missing out on the amount of Sub-Zero vs. Scorpion content that we actually got.
1: Yeah, now I will clarify some things. Uh, The percentage has gone up to 55% from the 50%. And uh, Google reviews are just like or dislike, and it has a 90% like. Okay, okay. that's much better. Good. Fucking pretentious critics. Because C- what bullshit. I will say is Mortal Kombat has never been about, it has to be the most amazing story. Did it deliver on what Mortal Kombat was? I think it did. And yeah, that's absolutely. all it really needed to do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was did, great. And they did flawless victory correctly this time. Yeah, there was one flawless victory, and it was actually a flawless victory. Instead of calling it out three times when only one of them was a flawless victory. All right. So, let's just fucking get into it, all right? Yeah, the, where, op- the opening scene in uh,
1: the 1600s of Japan.
0: Yeah, 1600s at the Hanzo Hasashi compound, where Hanzo is talking to his wife about how much he loves her and carrying buckets of water. A little callback to the 1995 movie. I don't know if it was a callback. <laughs> when Sub-Zero was killed by a bucket of water. It <laughs> <laughs> probably wasn't, but in my mind it absolutely was. Uh, so Hanzo fucks off to get more water, and Sub-Zero just kills everybody. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. we and see uh... comes
2: along to finish off his bloodline,
1: for yeah. whatever reason. Well, it's because we end up finding out that there's a prophecy that the Hanzo bloodline is going to be the one who wins Mortal Kombat? <laughs> yeah. So, at this point,
0: we we know in the modern day that it's been nine generations of Oatworld winning Mortal Kombat, and they need to win ten in a row in order to invade. So, presumably, they heard about the prophecy 400 years ago. was probably about nine generations ago. So, that's when they started their winning streak after trying to kill off the Hanzo Hasashi bloodline uh, in order to stop that. This is probably my one of the things i would change about this movie is the fact that it shows hanzo hasashi die then we hear the baby cry then we hear lightning then Raiden just shows up collects the baby and then we get a cut and to the a, dagger and the dagger and then we get a cut to a black screen where text says mortal combat has been won nine times by outworld the prophecy foretells that the blood of hanzo hasashi will unite the realm to def- win mortal combat or some shit like that I would cut out the line about the prophecy and I would cut out everything after Hanzo dies so we just get the baby crying so that there's no real
1: super heavy-handed indication that fucking Cole is going to be... Yeah, and that's the thing. If you cut out that and just immediately cut to modern day, it still kind of loosely implies that the baby is. But then when Raiden gives the confirmation, that's when they can deliver us the prophecy and what happened. Yeah, they
0: can do the flashback to... They don't even have to show the baby crying. They can just do the flashback to Hanzo dying. We hear the baby cry and then we see Raiden collect the baby. That's when we can see that happen to explain what happened rather than having it laid out at the beginning. I think that would have just been much better off done in flashback rather than at the beginning of the movie. Yeah,
2: because we even got little snippets of the connection throughout the movie when Cole had these little dream sequences where he'd see Scorpion wreathed in flame.
0: Yeah. So yes, we now, modern day, get to see fucking Cole... Does Cole have a last name? Young. Young? Yeah. Okay. We see Cole preparing for a fight in MMA because he's an MMA fighter. We know he used to have a bit of notoriety, but these days he's just getting paid 200 bucks a pop to get the shit kicked out of him by other fighters. Because for whatever reason, according to the people
2: who are around him before the fight starts,
0: he doesn't like defending. He attacks... Like, it's not even... Well explained, his fighting style, it's just the fucking guy, the fight organizer, calls him out for not fighting, because fighting is attacking and defending, not just
1: throwing punches wildly. I don't know if that's entirely correct.
0: I would argue yeah. throwing punches wildly is still technically yeah. fighting. I I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever
1: actually hit the block button in a Mortal Kombat game, so, <laughs> yeah. so far he's doing what I'm doing.
2: I think it's the movie trying to say that Cole has a tendency to run when the going gets tough.
0: We also definitely get repeated scenes of Cole just taking a fucking beating and being told that that's all he's good for. So, that's a fun character trait. I'm sure that's foreshadowing. Yep. Uh, So, we go from that scene to Cole explaining to his daughter that he's going to take her out to dinner. Meanwhile, this guy with real human arms shows up. And I'm specifying that because it'll come into play (laughs) later. Uh, and his name is Jax, and he explains that Cole he, has a birthmark. And he's jacked. Okay, podcast over. I can't anymore. <laughs> that was your wimpy bite. <laughs> so Jax explains that Cole's got a birthmark, but the birthmark isn't a birthmark. It's an invitation to participate in Mortal Kombat. Let me be fair, that's not until,
2: until the
0: snowstorm and yes. the burger joint. Yeah, In the well, middle of July. Yeah, he's got a crazy birthmark, and Cole's like, cool, goodbye. There we go. And then they end up at a burger joint and Cole goes in to buy burgers while his daughter sits inside eating ice cream and french fries, so... Did he just buy her ice cream and french fries with the plan of buying more food later? Why didn't he just buy all the food
1: at once? Or did they just find ice cream and french fries (laughs) on the table and she just started digging it? That's a good point. I mean, to be fair, ice cream's super easy to make, and most of these burger joints have the fries already kind of prepared. The burger, to specification, usually is what takes the time. Fair, Fair. so they might have just given her
0: the burger and french fries. Also, why
1: am I defending the concept of making burgers (laughs) in a a Mortal Kombat movie I don't know. (laughs) Why, why is this your nitpick? Uh, trust me, I have bigger nitpicks, but this
0: was the one that came up right now. I just realized that the timing was a little awkward. Anyways, Cole runs inside. It's snowing out, and we only know of exactly one character who has snow-based powers. And then Loan and old. Yeah, Tundra. Frost. Kotal I don't think Kotal has snow powers. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I was just
2: naming characters at this yeah. point. Well, everything starts to freeze now. Like, really freeze. And then menacing so shock. The
0: temperature goes below zero. Yes!
2: Is there a word for that?
0: Uh, um, we might
2: might stumble across it at some point.
0: Can't. There's something, but it just doesn't come to mind it's right now. It's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Anyways, Sub-Zero shows
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: So Sub-Zero shows up and just starts trying to kill the shit out of Cole. But except not really targeting Cole. More so targeting Cole's daughter. And that one guy that was just unlucky enough to be on the street.
1: Yeah. Um. The, the snow, like, the ice chunks, literally fucking hits him in the head. He goes down, he's just laying there for the rest of the He's just lying
0: in the middle of the street, which... Spoiler alert,
1: Jax is about to drive through that street where Buddy is just fair. lying down. Jax drives up from the other side and then backs up. So maybe that's why Jax didn't go forward in that scene. <laughs> that's fair.
0: So... Snow fuck, Cole. Oh God, snow so, Cole. So this- <laughs> Please talk about this. Is, this is where
2: Jax explains the whole birthmark is not a birthmark; it's an invitation to a big tournament to save the world. Now, I will mention,
1: I did have a bit of a problem with this from the trailers, as I mentioned before. But seeing it in play, I actually didn't mind that much. It actually wasn't too bad. Yeah, watching it actually play
0: out, it made a bit more sense than it did in the fucking trailer. Um, we also. Have Cole or not Cole Jack show off the fact that he also has a mark. Very importantly, the mark is not on his arms; it is on his chest. I
1: thought it was like uh, more or well, is. like
0: side. back yeah. area. Uh, it's just key that it's not on his arms because those are going to continue to exist for the rest of the movie. Yeah, you don't want to like ruin his perfect arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he's got such immaculate arms. Uh, so, anyways, they end up driving down an alley and seeing Sub Zero at the other end of the alley, and realizing. They can't back away two times in one scene, so they're gonna have to fight him. But Jax explains that he's gonna fight uh, Sub Zero, and Cole's just got to get his family. The fuck I'm gonna out to fight him one on
1: one, fair and square. Now, wait while I get my gun <laughs> out of the trunk.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and
2: he's a soldier, so uh, he has a chance. Six a, tours, six tours. He's as, done six tours, so he has a chance as opposed to the Marsh, the MMA fighter that he just watched get beaten to a pulp.
0: Well, the MMA fighter who's clearly had some recognition in his earlier career and has since just fucked right off and stopped fighting well. Uh, so yes. Fucking Jax brings a gun to a snow fight and loses. Obviously. Uh, and in the process, he loses those immaculate arms we were discussing. It's a bit of frostbite. I really... I'm going to be honest, anytime Sub-Zero has a fight in this movie, it's fucking great. And oh, I yeah. love this fight between so, Sub-Zero and Jax. I
2: absolutely love the effects of the gun freezing just as it's shot and the bullets leaving the barrel. And,
0: like, Sub-Zero doing, like, the head tilt dog thing
1: as the bullets are just very slowly moving towards him. You know, the sure sign of insanity in any character. He's like, oh, yeah. look at that. Tilt their head slightly when they're looking at you. It's like, okay, that person's evil and about to snap. Yeah. And then he literally snaps the gun in half, so yeah.
0: <laughs> and then Jax's arms kind yeah. of pushes him off the building. Yeah. Jax gets bonked real hard on the head and then just falls unconscious.
2: And Sub-Zero doesn't even bother checking if the person he came to kill, one of the people who came to kill, was actually killed.
1: And this is... I don't know if Sub-Zero just, like, he's so confident in his ability, he just doesn't think to check anything, because he missed the baby at the beginning, he misses actually killing Jax, reports, I killed Jax, and then later on, he apparently kills Cole's family, but they're not dead? Yeah. It's like, you gotta check these things. Well,
2: and even at the beginning, he didn't actually completely kill Hanzo. Hanzo just... Yeah, left. Hanzo, <laughs> he away! He crawled yeah. away
0: and just bled out. So, here's the other fucking key detail, is we know through some method or another that the fighters for Outworld have some ability to sense people with the mark, because that's how they've been tracking Cole. Because they just kind of keep showing up wherever Cole is, without like following him for a while. Which means that they should probably still be able to fucking sense Jack. And yet, sometimes they're like, "No, I can sense him, but that—that's a dead guy right there. I—I I know dead because I've kind of made people dead in the past.
1: I'm an expert at killing people. We've only seen you effectively kill two people, and everyone else survived. They did die afterwards, in one case.
0: The only two people we've seen you effectively kill happened off-screen, and you froze them to death. That's that's all we've seen. And so far, that's a 50% success rate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So his, his
2: performance is subpar. I don't even
0: remember what happens after this <laughs> in the movie. Well, uh, so, Jax
2: gives uh, Cole directions to his partner's place, Sonya.
1: Yeah, and while this is all going on as well, we're also getting like cutscenes to Outworld, where Shang Tsung's sitting on a throne talking about, like, you know, we have to, you know, defeat these guys, blah, blah, blah. We're going to have our 10th win. And then he says that, which makes a lot of sense when you think about it, but it's never been actively said in the Mortal Kombat universe. But is like, we didn't win nine in a row by playing fair. I'm like, a fucking course. That makes so much sense. See, it makes sense, but I also
0: take issue with it because we're explicitly told repeatedly that they ha- there are rules they have to follow. Like, Raiden says out loud, you're not allowed to kill my combatants before combat. In the nineteen ninety five movie, he like threatens to kill Shang Tsung and his followers if they get into a fight before Mortal Kombat. In this one, apparently
1: there's rules, but fuck all happens if you break them. Well, there's two factors at this that I think are at play. Shang Tsung actually does specify that fighting bef- like conflict before the tournament is not forbidden. So the combatants fighting each other as long as Shang Tsung doesn't get involved, I guess, and Raid doesn't get involved is fine. Although, I guess Shanks not really one of the Elder Gods, so it doesn't really matter for me. He's another combatant. But at the same time, where the mark transfers upon someone being defeated, I think that means that it's kind of like in a built-in defense mechanism so that there's always enough people for the tournament.
0: Yeah, so it's not necessary. Like, we're kind of told that if a member of Earth, in a later scene we're told, if a member of Earth kills someone with the mark, then the mark gets transferred to the person who killed them. Perhaps if someone from Oatworld or someone who already has a mark kills someone who has a mark, the mark just gets transferred to,
1: like, some other person on Earth. Thus, the closer they get to the tournament, if they kill off the actual fighters before they can prepare, then the new people can't actually, which might be the case with them indicating Johnny Cage at the end of this for the sequel, which is going to be the actual tournament. Oh, by the way, this movie is all pre tournaments <laughs> Yeah, there's not a single amount of, like, actual technical Mortal Kombat in this movie. But it could be that uh, Sonya kills Kano and gets his mark. Yeah. But Kung Lao also dies. So his, so his mark... mark might have been transferred. Or, uh I don't know how they're gonna play this because Shang Tsung is not technically actually part of Outworld, he's from Earth Realm, but then corrupts the tournament himself. He might have the mark now. He might, but I also feel like he's
0: participated in tournaments in the past over the nine years. So well, yeah, if
1: they're Sing to the Lore, he would have been the champion that was eventually defeated by Kung Lao, who spared his life, and then Goro came in and then killed Kung Lao and then won the rest of the tournaments.
0: So, it's entirely possible he got Kung Lao's mark. I think it's also entirely likely that he has had a mark for centuries. Um, But yes, so, we end up meeting Sonya Blade. We also have a brief scene where fucking Cole drops off his family in a shack in the middle of the woods. And then he goes off to meet with Sonya Blade. Um, It's also a really good scene, as you commented during the movie, because there's no, like, line about, like, this is bullshit. I'm not living up to this. It's like, no, I have to look into what's going yeah, on. Yeah, the whole
1: moment is pretty much in the car chase. Like, why is he after me and my family? And then Jack kind gives him, like, no, this guy's going to keep coming after you regardless and kill anyone he has to. And that's kind of the only affirmation that Cole yeah. needs. He's like, I mean, I have to do this. You saw yeah. that guy he was shooting, like, ice beams. <laughs> yeah, even his wife is like,
0: oh, Jack's probably killed the ice guy. We're good. And Cole's like,. <laughs> No, we really should be more certain than that, that we're safe. We need to be more certain than
1: Sub-Zero when we kill somebody. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, meets up with Song of Blade. Song of Blade is the one who gives us the whole lore dump of the world where Mortal Kombat is a thing that happens every generation. There's been talks about great tournaments through a whole bunch of
1: different civilizations. And we get a cool little few Easter eggs here. We get an image that looks very much like it's night wolf. Yep. And then we also get another image of looks like a bust of Kotal Kahn. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite part in this though is when she says it's Mortal Kombat and he's like it sounded good up to that point but that last sat- sound like you made it up in fact they spelt the name wrong yeah because it's Mortal Kombat with the K. K
2: and in that particular picture the K was backwards
1: like half the letters
0: were backwards which is ridiculous because it's mostly M's O's A's and T's <laughs> <laughs> that's right like, it all was backwards <laughs> Like, the letters we see backwards are the L's and the K's, which are the only ones that could be backwards. I'm going to assume
1: it was all backwards now. You're yes. going to get oh on this.
0: Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so.
2: Oh, fuck. I'm uh, get introduced to another Greek character The now.
1: B- best character of the movie. Did anyone eat? check to see if Cole's name is spelled with a K? <laughs> I'll be
0: right back. Give me a second. If They didn't. I'm upset. Nah, it's
1: spelled with a C. Oh. The dung goofed. It's okay, now that he's accepted his destiny, it's probably with a K now. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, although, there's only one other character in the Mortal Kombat franchise that their name has a K that, uh, or a C that stayed a C, and that's Chameleon, the female reptile. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, we get introduced to quite possibly the best character in the entire movie, which is Kano.
1: Motherfucking Kano. Currently chained down to a chair. He's 100% the comedy of this movie. Yeah. And just, all all of his lines are gold. I don't know if it was, like, improv, because the actor also has a comedic background himself. But just, like, he was on point, and I laughed at almost everything (laughs) he said.
0: Yeah, like, there was maybe, like, three of his lines that I didn't fucking laugh at. Everything else was fucking great. Like, there's, shortly after this fucking reptile breaks in, fucking starts fighting with them. Kato calls out to Cole. He's like, "Let me go. I can help you in this." And Cole calls back, "Just sit and wait." And Kato's like, "Oh, really?" Fuck, and gesturing to the can- chains that are holding it to the ground. He's like, "I was thinking about taking a fucking stroll, you dumbass."
1: But yeah, the reptile attacks. Uh, they end up getting thrown around because he's invisible, obviously. And Sonya starts fucking throwing knives and actually hits him in the leg with his own knife, which later on he says that she did on purpose. And, and she, she does shrugs, not correct like, him. Yeah, guess.
2: But also, Kano did something quite intelligent in this fight, because Reptile was invisible for the majority of the fight, until Kano took a flare and stabbed the
0: flare onto Reptile. To be fair, that was partially Kano's doing, but it was Cole who called out, use a flare, yeah. so we get a little bit of a hint that Cole is the leader of the team because he has strategy. even still, I've never seen flares implemented like
1: that, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little fight, and then Kano, like, does his fatality, punches out the heart, and he's like, Kano wins! Fucking beauty! (laughs) Fucking beauty! (laughs) Obviously, we've seen this in the trailer, but still, like, it was just a great scene. Fantastic. Uh,
0: So, I believe we get another cut to Oat World while this is happening, and then we cut back to Earthrealm, and is walking into her fucking RV to, like, talk about the fact that their place has been compromised. Kano's just sitting there drinking a beer, drunk. It's been maybe like 5-10 minutes in-universe, but from the looks of it, Kano has perfected a fucking drawing of him holding fucking Reptile's skull with the words, finally killed it. The He's... word finally really makes me believe that he has met Reptile before and he just couldn't kill him in the past. <laughs> and
1: he came out and said that he is working on an animated adventures of Kano. Yeah, Kano graphic novel. Uh, now, uh, the thing to point out here too is, Kano has one of the marks, but apparently he got it when he killed a powered individual from Brazil. I can't think of a character that that would be, so it's probably just like, you know, throw away, oh, he killed somebody, got their power. But Sonya also doesn't, and he keeps, like, just chiding her about it. Yeah, I was half expecting Sonya to kill
2: Reptile in the scene just to get the mark, but... Reptile wouldn't have it, though, because it seems these marks sure, are specifically for Earthrealm fighters. Yeah,
0: that is definitely how it seems. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we also another fucking beautiful i'm gonna try not to just say every great Kano line but i have to say the one where they first walk in the rv and Kana's drinking a beer and Sonya's like oh make yourself comfortable like sarcastically and Kana's like i have also your beer shit and you're almost out
1: <laughs> yeah Kano's just like i'm fucking out and then he mentions that he knows where raiden's temple is which is where not... they have to go to get ready for the tournament. Yeah, so as he's leaving, Sonya ends up bluffing It's like, oh, I'll give you like $3 million essentially what it comes down to to end up joining. And Kano's and... like,
2: bullshit, you live in a rundown trailer.
1: Yeah, so he ends up accepting the plan and he's going to take them there. Not before he ends up spitting on a gnome and then specifies how much he hates snuggering gnomes.
0: <laughs> yeah, another beautiful bit of foreshadowing, just something we'll get to much later down the line.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, they're off on the plane and end up in the middle of the desert because Kano has taken them to Raiden's palace. Also, this whole time he keeps talking about how he's the Black Dragon and all that stuff. And in the game, he does lead the Black Dragon and I don't think there's a point where he's never actually leading it. Uh, I mean, I guess a bit later in the franchise during the uh, original run of games, he wasn't so much. Because he has to revive it and it's got like five people in it. Yep. But the way he was talking, like, he's definitely not in the Black Dragon anymore in any capacity, which kind of gets confirmed later on by Cabal.
2: Yeah. yeah. When they first land in the desert, I, I just loved Kano and explaining where they were going with the GPS. Yeah, cause so it's just like, like, how far are we?
0: And Kano says, it's
2: about uh, 22K, maybe 23K, if we're lucky. 24K, if you're hopeful. Uh, I don't know, you
0: could be right with uh, 30K. Probably 22 or 35K or something, <laughs> like just to be safe. <laughs> See, I misheard it and thought he was saying days. Oh. I was like, yeah, we're about 22 days out. Yeah, 25, 28, 35, and no one surprises. Like, man, he's really just ramping up the amount of time they're spending in this desert with no fucking supplies. <laughs> so, they wander through the desert a little bit. Kano makes another fucking comment about how Sonia
1: clearly just wants his mark. They spar a little bit, and Sonya clearly comes with the victor of the fight. Yeah, shows sure, she's stronger than him, but she's not going to kill him. And he points out like, oh, you're definitely going to get a mark with that attitude. <laughs> So, we then have them wander a little bit
0: further into the desert to meet a mysterious stranger standing on top of a hill. And he introduces himself as Lu Kang, immediately after shooting Kano with a fireball for walking towards him.
2: Which immediately invests Kano into the training, because Kano is now all on board with getting <laughs> he superpowers. His <laughs> He's like, oh,
0: does that mean I'll get fucking superpowers if I go through with this training? It does, doesn't it? It does. Tell me it does. It does, though, right? Like, I get superpowers... Uh, Maybe they're shooting fireballs or something better. <laughs> what are my options here? So they wander through the desert. They make it to Raiden's temple. Uh, there's some secret passages they walk through, and then they meet with Raiden. He's a guy.
2: He's got lightning.
0: He shits on them for not being good enough to be a part of his Mortal Kombat tournament.
1: Now, this when they enter the temple too, they're like, there's so many Easter eggs to like Mortal Kombat yeah. stuff because we see uh, Shinnok's amulet. Uh, on top of this, we also see some, like, painting descriptions. So we see the great Kung Lao. Yeah. We see the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight from the beginning of the movie. We see also, Goro tearing a guy in half. Which I'm also pretty sure is Kung Lao again. Uh, Shao Kahn we get a little uh, piece of. And one thing I was a bit surprised to see in there, but it was pretty cool, was they had a picture of Delia. Uh, so Delia is one of the key figures in the story of uh, the Mortal Kombat Ar- Armageddon storyline. Where the Pyramid of Argus, which is supposed to give the person godlike power, stopped the destruction of the worlds was prophesied by Delia? So seeing her there... kind of like... also puts a hint to like... oh... this might be leading towards... that Armageddon situation. Yeah. Okay.
0: So yeah... uh... they show up... raiding shits on all of them... for not being good enough... and then... fucking Sub-Zero shows up... ready to... tear ass... or kick... kick ass... again... uh along with a bunch of others. Some of the characters we've seen in some of the yeah, flashes so, to Outworld. Sub-Zero,
2: Melina.
1: Melina, Raiko, and Cabal are the ones that are fighting under Shang Tsung, and Goro too, though he only really has kind of like one
0: scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. they show up, this is when we get the shit about how uh, you're breaking the rules. There's no rules about conflicts before Mortal Kombat. Blah 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 blah. And then Raiden throws down an energy barrier to keep them from getting in. Made out of light. Real lightning.
2: And then the bad guys
0: skulk away. And they just fuck right off.
2: Like, Which is... Hide your barrier.
0: It's great because we every time we get a flash to Oak World the fucking shanks talks about how none of these fighters are shit and they don't have a chance of winning Mortal Kombat. But we have to fight them right now so they don't end up fighting in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Alright, so...
2: And then is now-
0: like you're gonna love Kano. <laughs> yeah. So, we also, now we get the Jax reintroduced to the group, except now he has no arms because of the shit that went down earlier. Uh, We also are introduced to a fighting pit where all these fighters must train, and they have to unlock their powers in the fighting pit through training. Which is weird, because literally everyone we see unlock powers does it outside of the fighting pit, including the one story we're told about someone who unlocks their powers that we don't actually
1: see happens outside the fighting pit. Well, I think he was meaning at like, that's where most of them do, but, like, they can unlock at any point as long as you have the mark. Because, I guess, yeah, because Liu Kang got his when he killed a criminal guy.
0: Uh, The guy who had the mark. He literally took the mark from a baby merchant, took the baby merchant's mark, and then immediately had his fire powers. Yeah. Uh,
1: And then uh, Cole gets his powers in fighting Goro at the uh, cabin in the woods. Yeah. I think it's more of a field, maybe like a farmhouse. But everyone else, I guess, gets their power. Well, not Sonya as well. Sonya gets her powers off screen. but Kano just gets angry enough to shoot lasers from his eyes. Or it's in the temple. I'll make the exception on this one. And Jax is literally in the arena when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's
2: probably more they use that arena when they have time to prepare for a tournament. To train the
0: fighters. In theory, if it wasn't less than a month, we're also told it's less than a month before Mortal Kombat. They need to get ready... Right now, uh, in theory, if they had, like, a whole generation after the last Mortal Kombat to get ready, then they would probably probably start training people from childhood in the fighting pit mm-hmm. to awaken their powers. Yeah. Yeah. So, fighting ensues in the pit. We get some great scenes of Kano and fucking Cole getting the shit kicked out of them. Go forward in time a little bit. Jax has been given metal arms. The fucking metal arms look re- Do you guys remember the fucking Jason Momoa a Super Bowl commercial where he takes off arms and he's just got like tiny little stick arms. Yeah. That's exactly what it fucking looks like when Jackson's <laughs> got his metal arms at first. And even he says, this isn't me. <laughs> uh, so we're also told that uh, every one of the fighters has an arcana, which is like a magical power that they develop. You need to have a mark to gain an arcana. If you don't have a mark, you can't have an arcana. If you don't have an arcana, you can't win Mortal
1: Kombat. Although I think it also kind of comes off as... You don't necessarily need one to get these powers, but it definitely is, like, you're very unlikely to develop powers without it. That's kind of the way it comes across. Perhaps, I read, or I, the
0: way I interpreted it was more of, you can't develop the power without the Yeah, that's the
2: way the phrasing in the movie kind of made it seem like, but I can see if someone was trained for years and years with the purpose of getting an arcana, then they'd probably be able to unlock one.
0: Also, I'm calling it right now, Arcana is absolutely spelt with a K. Of course, yeah. I had no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, so yes, we now know several Arcanas. So for instance, Luke Kang's Arcana is fire powers. Mostly presented in the form of shooting fireballs. He can also use it to make a fire dragon to eat someone. That probably doesn't come up. Uh, Kung Lao... I So Kung Lao also shows up during this time, But I fucking love kano's description of like understanding arcana after he sees Kung lao perform because he's like i understand how arcana works it's like a box of chocolates you don't know what you're gonna you are going to you could shoot fireballs you could get some pussy shit like magical frisbee hat who knows <laughs> uh so yeah uh Kang lao has the magical hat uh is his arcana uh kano develops the arcana to shoot lasers from his eyes cole's power is armor that gains kinetic energy and also makes fucking Ton-tons? what are they called? Tonfas. Tonfas, thank you.
1: Um Yeah, but all, like aside from Cole, all the characters kind of just get their power from the game. So, so Kano mm-hmm. and Sony have always kind of just been tech. Yeah. But now it's kind of explained in like a magical sense. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. actual technology, it's magical abilities that manifests it, in a it, way Wait, Jax
0: arms just get bigger. That was my favorite, was we see Jax trying to lift a heavy boulder, like as people are developing their arcanas, and I'm just like, that Jax's power. It's It's big arms. His arms just get bigger, right? That's what his power is. And then his small arms transform into big arms. Yeah. Literally transformer sequence. Uh, So yeah, now everyone has their arcana, but also Kano has switched sides because he got offered any price he could think of doubled and then doubled again uh, in order to join the bad guys.
1: Yeah, and Cabal also just fully confirms he's no friend of the
0: Black Dragon. (laughs) Yeah. Cabal calls him up, like, you used to be the leader of the Black Dragon. Now look at you. And Kano... Doesn't say, I'm still the leader of the Black Dragon. He says, I am the Black Dragon. Which to me reads, Kano is not in charge of the Black Dragon. He just, in his mind, has stopped calling it the Black Dragon. And it's just, he is the Black Dragon himself.
1: I'm Black Dragon. They're all assholes. Yeah.
0: Uh, so yeah, fighting happens. We get the best fucking... Well, we've started to... We've started to get some fatalities in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. we have... Four. Well, up to this
1: point, we only had Kano's.
0: Yeah, we had Kano's. Uh, during this fight scene when people fucking evade after Kano betrays, we get Kung Lao's, uh,
1: fatality, where he does the saw blade hat thing. Yeah, and he fights <laughs> Natara, who comes swooping in, and he is, like, they, they really show that Kung Lao is just miles, up like, ahead of everyone else, yeah. where he just, like, takes no damn like, she swings at him, he dodges, grabs her, and then slams her right into his spinning hat, doing his fatality. And then, of course, this flaws victory afterwards, and I was just like, Finally! Someone
0: did it correct! The three of us were so stoked because if you've watched our full episode about the 1995 movie which you fucking should have you know they do it repeatedly and they do it wrong. For them to just do it the once in this movie and have it be exactly fucking right is great. So yeah, we uh, see fucking Kung Lao's Fatality. Uh, Goro ends up fighting against Cole in the farmhouse.
1: What do you guys think of the farmhouse fight? I mean, the pro- uh, so my problem with the farmhouse fight is I can understand why they wanted Goro to be the set piece for this. But if they're going to use Goro as one of the big threats on the tournament side, he's kind of already just been easily defeated by yeah. Cole. Yeah. But if we're going with the
2: roots that they can all be brought back to life, then...
1: But he like, he can still be brought Goro, back.
0: He's... It doesn't make him stronger. True. And he's already been kind of dumped on by Cole. So the only... Now, I didn't... guess the
1: argument could be that it wasn't a one-on-one fight because Cole's wife hits Goro with an axe and he kind of focusing on them when the thing happens and Cole unlocks his powers, which is the armor. So you could make that argument so Goro would be more prepared for him. But still seeing a villain that's supposed to be as menacing as Goro yeah. get defeated this early on in it. Yeah. With the like, sequel, him being that same position. I feel like it has to be like Goro's at the tournament and he's up the big threat. I feel like Shang Tsung, they have to set him up to be the big threat. Okay.
0: Like, I don't remember the exact timing. But Goro is either the first or the second bad character we see get killed. It's either Goro, then Natara, or Natara, then Goro. Natara Na- first. is first, okay. But yeah, it's very early on that we see Goro just get fucking murdered. Yeah, because what ends up
1: happening is Kung Lao defeats Natara. Uh, Sonya and Jax both lose. Liu Kang is kind of getting grouped up on. Yeah. And then... That's when uh, Raiden's summoning back Cole. He shows up and he's like, oh, we actually have a Hsashi. Yeah. And then he starts trying to zap everyone out. Uh, that's also the same time that Shang Tsung also just, like, soul drains Kung Lao. It's like, of course they had to. Because Liu yeah. Kang just was not confident in himself enough to be the hero that we need as, like, the storyline. So yeah. They had to kill Kung Lao off. Yeah. Well, it's also to the point where, like, they
0: built up Kung Lao as this, inc- like, he was by far the strongest. So long as you have him there, people aren't going to be as fucking afraid of the other. Uh, also, he was the only person on the team that didn't get defeated, aside from Cole, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even then, to go back to our logic of the games, it was very clearly one of those situations where Cole lost the first round of combat against fucking Goro, and then won the rest of the fight. Fucking Kung Lao had a flawless victory against Natara. Yeah. Um, so, yes... Shit goes down, they end up getting brought to the void. Yeah, the yeah. role
1: between Earth Realm and the Elder Gods Realm.
0: Yeah. Uh, and this is where everyone's kind of all dejected about the fact that Kung Lao died and now they can't win, even though they all unlocked magical powers during the fight. <laughs> He's like, You know why we beat them? We give them a tournament that they don't want to fight in. <laughs>
1: They've been avoiding the tournament all along, so we're going to have a bunch of 1v1 combat. So here, here, well, kind of, but here, here's another issue I have with this. So Raiden has specified that he can put them wherever he wants them to. That includes, without their will, being summoned to a fight on 101. Yeah. He could just drop them all in a Volcano.
0: Yeah. yeah
2: that, that would be considered interfering, I guess. And probably... But also, in, white In Raiden's eyes, all of what Shang Tsung is doing is wrong and against the rules, despite the fact that he's just kind of bending them, not actually breaking okay, them.
1: Okay, put them into uh, an empty cave uh, at the yeah. center of the earth. Well, they, he doesn't even have to do that.
0: Why do 1v1 fights if Raiden can control who the combatants are? Why not have it be a series of 5v1 fights where yeah. it's just the five of them killing one person? And they're like, alright, Raiden, next one's up, and just another person gets <laughs> teleported on top of Raiko's body.
2: <laughs> yeah, I see that point, but it's, uh, it's just gotta be, oh no, the good side is too honorable.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, we get a couple 1v1 fights, and then we get a
1: 2v2 fight, which is really just two 1v1 fights that are happening in the same yeah. arena. so Jack's like, I want to fight Reiko. Uh, Sony's like, I want to fight Melina, and it's like, no, you're gonna fail to fight Kano, because we know you can beat Kano. Also, Kano has a mark, and we need to find a way to give you a mark, you're gonna fight the guy with a mark that you can take. Of course, that wasn't said, but it was heavily applied, by yes. everybody, Including Kano, earlier on in the movie. Yes! Uh, Because
2: if you think about it, Kano having a mark and working for the enemy is one down on them. Because Kano can easily, once the tournament happens, just go up. I give up. I forfeit. Yep. And that's one loss.
1: Uh, uh, And then uh, after this 1v1, this 1v1. And then Cole's like, and Liu Kang, you and me are going to actually fight Malina and Cabal? Yeah. But then
0: they don't. It's just (laughs)
1: Liu Kang and Cabal fighting
0: while fucking Cole is frankly, kind of getting the shit kicked out of him by Melina because she can teleport.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then they all make the decision, we can't fight Sub-Zero one-on-one, so we're going to do the five-on-one plan after we kill all these other <laughs> <Yes>. people. <laughs> That's when we
0: do the 5v1. Uh, only for fucking the fights to all end. Most of them end in fatalities. In fact, do any of them not end in fatalities? Uh, so... I guess Kano doesn't
1: die to a fatality. Yes, uh, Sonya just stabs him in the eye with the gnome Yeah, that he yes. spit on earlier. Other than
0: that, we get to see uh, Jack's fatality... A Luke Kang fatality and a Sonya fatality, uh, and then yeah, Kato just fucking dies. I, I guess Cole them. doesn't have
1: a fatality that could be referenced.
0: In theory, I suppose we probably saw the equivalent of a Cole fatality against Goro in the earlier fight when he drove his Tonfa through Goro's eye.
2: True, but even still, comparatively to the other fatalities, that wasn't much of
0: one. No. We did get a good reference to fucking Goro's fatality when he's holding Cole by the
1: throat and says he's going to rip his spine out now. Yeah, which I've still said we didn't get the Sub-Zero spine rip out, but I'm counting on that for the sequel because they do obviously defeat Sub-Zero at the end and he gets kind of mm-hmm. surrounded by black smoke. So they're setting up Noob Saibot obviously, for the sequel. So I'm really hoping for a spine pull because that's kind of like the iconic move that hasn't appeared yet. Yeah, we have yet to see a human spine in a Mortal Kombat movie. And it's frankly
0: fucking disappointing. At least not in drawing form. Yeah. So yeah, uh, all the 1v1s are resolved, even though two of the 1v1s were actually called as a 2v2 and then split into 1v1s. And even one of those, it still ended up being a 1v2 because it was Sonya who killed... Yeah, one of them
1: became a 3v2. <laughs> yeah. So, right.
2: right, that's when Sonya came in and used her new arm beam to blow a hole through Melina's...
0: And yeah, that's, a the, that's the one
2: glimpse of a spine we get to see.
0: That's true. It's true. I misspoke. We do get to see a human spine in one of these. I mean, it's not human. No. It's oh, that's true. It's not a human spine. Uh, maybe they got a stunt double who was a human to do this. <laughs> yeah. <shot. laughs> I tell them to explain the lady coming back in the sequel. Yeah, yeah, I
2: hear it's hard to get in contact with the
0: world actors. <laughs> Especially during a pandemic. You don't want to bring people between realms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... At this point, Sub-Zero shows up, and he shows that he has a little foreshadowing bracelet from Cole's daughter uh, to signify that he has captured his family and frozen them to death. Menacingly walks back through a portal, and Cole's like, no, and follows in. Yeah, Runs through the portal. (laughs) Uh, Just as the
2: portal closes behind him, so no one else can follow
0: him. Immediately forgetting the 5v1 plan that they had, and instead going with a 1v1. Yeah.
1: The the other thing important to mention at this point is Cole does have the dagger that uh, Hanzo used when he was fighting. Still has... caked with Hanzo's blood. Yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: Cole gets the
0: shit kicked out of him by Sub Zero pretty efficiently. Uh, realizes he's about to be frozen to death, and Sub Zero has his cold hand on Cole's heart. Uh, also, Cole's family is all frozen in the cage and presumably dead. Oh yeah, it's important to mention that this is happening in the MMA arena from the beginning of the movie, except the... now cold,
2: and it's all frozen over.
0: Cold. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Alright, so, uh, Cole realizes his only chance is to draw the fucking Hanzo blade and stab Sub-Zero with it real good. Except it bounces off Sub-Zero's armor. Because that's what armor does. Yep. Uh, and then Sub-Zero turns it around and tries to stab Cole with it. Cole grabs it with his hand and then his blood, the blood of the Hasashi bloodline, drips onto the blade and then the blade starts glowing with hellfire. And that's when we get the Immortal Kombat Techno Syndrome sting. Yep. As Sub-Zero gets stabbed from behind... And then we hear the words... I know at the very least the three of us were very highly anticipated right there. Which is just... It pans over. We see Scorpion holding the other end of the rope. And he just yells, Get over here! The only English word said by the Japanese character the entire movie. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't have said the line in Japanese. It would not have been nearly as iconic. Anyways. uh, We get... Amazing the best scene in the entire fucking movie. Cold punching ice. Yes. Cold punching <laughs> ice. And then we cut back to this boring shit where it's a fight between Sub Zero and Scorpion. <laughs> that just sounds blasphemous. What you just said. I. Sorry. I don't think I can be on this podcast anymore. I don't deserve it. Uh, but yeah, we get to see. We see Scorpion going toe to toe with Sub Zero. Except not exactly going toe to toe. It keeps like fluctuating between who's doing better. And then it literally keeps cutting back to Cole just, like, yelling at his arms and then punching ice. It's just like, Cole, why is this a priority? Like, I understand your family's frozen, but they're going to continue to be frozen. And if Sub-Zero wins that fight, then they die for sure if they're not already dead. Maybe make sure Sub-Zero dies before you start punching ice really aggressively. But he doesn't listen to me yelling inside my head because I don't want to ruin the movie. Uh... (laughs) Uh, but yes, literally the best fucking scene in the movie is the fight scene between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. We even get, like, what I think is the coolest fucking thing where fucking Sub-Zero stabs Scorpion with his ice sword and then grabs the blood that's shooting out of Scorpion and freezes it into a blood knife and then stabs that back into fucking sub or not Sub-Zero, Scorpion.
1: It's a very good
0: fight scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really very show good.
1: off a lot of the, what the powers they have in the games are. In fact, Sub-Zero also uses the ice decoy move yep. to yes. dodge one of the attacks, which is pretty good. Also makes the ice wall and throws fucking Scorpion into it. A very fluid choreography for this. Yeah, and that's one of the things that the director hired people that could do the things so that they didn't have to do stunt coordinators and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we...
0: Uh, yeah, because the guy who's playing fucking... Uh, not to cut away from the discussion of the fight scene. The guy who's playing... Han. he was also ip man wasn't he uh
1: i believe so but you might know him a little bit more from a little movie called the Raid. (laughs) yeah that too (laughs) i feel like that's a lot more impressive than uh that one fair
0: i'm just trying to remember what i fucking saw him from and the raid was not what came to mind at first it was ip man for some reason oh it's always gonna be the raid (laughs) fair uh so yes we get a beautiful little choreography Fucking Sub-Zero gets thrown into the center of the MMA arena, because they've just been fighting in the wings up until now. And then Scorpion dives through, cuts his sword through, him, and this is when we get the fucking ice decoy. Sub-Zero standing further back. And then finally, Cole's like, wait a second, maybe I should punch even harder! And he goes back to punching the ice, only for Sub-Zero to start directly attacking him, and that's when Cole decides to participate in the fucking yeah, fight. so
1: Scorpion and Cole have to team up against Sub-Zero, they're kind of just stripping away his armor, I guess, as the fight goes on, revealing the person mm-hmm. underneath. Yeah. Now, this is a... Because in the concept of the story, we know that Sub-Zero is the one that kills his family, and I think in the games, Hanzo Asashi isn't from, like, 16th century Japan. He's, like, more modern, but lived in, like, a little village thing. Yeah. But in this one, both of them are alive, like, 600 years ago, roughly? Or 400 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And so, they don't really go into details about why he's still alive, unless they're going to, try, like, oh, his ice powers make him live longer because he's, like, in a partial cryostasis. I some
2: deal he made with Shang yeah,
1: yeah, I really... assumed
0: that was why he was working for Shang Tsung, was because Shang Tsung gave him the powers of
1: immortality or something like that. That's what I fucking assumed was going on. So, I'd be curious to see how they're going to try to set up Quiet Liang with this now. Uh, yeah, it's
0: a little bit harder to explain Kui Liang's existence.
1: Well, he can't be. Well, he, I guess he could be Sub Zero's brother, but Kuai Liang has always been a good character, so him accepting the immortality doesn't seem to make sense. So they it, might try they to might
0: have him be like a descendant of Sub Zero.
1: and then have the continuation of the Sub Zero, uh, like Sub Zero Scorpion feud, be between those two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's entirely possible, but yeah, they strip away mm-hmm. Sub Zero's armor,
2: Sub-Zero, stab him through the heart. Sub Zero has a scene where. He slowly gets back up and then closes the
1: cage door. <laughs> uh, no one's going anywhere. <laughs> Until this fight is done. So, uh, obviously Scorpion's the one that finishes them off. And the thing I love with this is we get Scorpion's fatality. Yeah, and I quite love, the same. I love how he, they do it, though.
2: As opposed to the traditional, his whole head is a skull. Yeah, instead when, of
0: pulling off his face and
2: revealing yeah. a skull. He pulls off his face mask. And when he's breathing fire, the heat from the fire coming from his mouth is melting the skin around his mouth.
0: Yeah, it's slowly breaking down, so you see, like, he still has the human eyes, but he's got, like, a skull bottom half of his face, which, as soon as he's done, he covers back up with his mask. So, yeah, it's not exactly the same, but I like the way that they handled it for this one. Yeah, and even, to drive home even
2: harder the point that he is an undead
1: revenant, back
2: for revenge, when he next pulls off his mask, his face is back to normal. Yeah, yeah.
1: Also, leading up to this, uh, Scorpion fire punches the ground, which immediately, like, wakes up both of Cole's daughter and wife. Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: means one of two things, because it means either, once again, something is bad at checking whether people are dead before leaving them, or fucking, uh, Scorpion specifically talks about how the fire is hellfire and he has gained control over hellfire, which could also equally mean... That Cole's family was dead and was in hell,
2: and Scorpion used
0: hellfire to bring them back. I'm going to choose to believe that they just went to sleep for being too cold. And then that, that little bit of fire warmed them up just enough. That's the preferable option, but I do in my head now have the cannon that they were burning in hell. And some say it or not. so. We are not, like, no, we're we're not, we're not having back. that. The reference now. Yeah. So, uh... Sub-Zero dies, and then fucking all the gang shows back up to hang out with Cole, and they're like, oh man, you did it, congrats. Not before
2: a little scene where Scorpion says in Japanese to Cole, it's like, continue to protect our bloodline, and then disappears again. Meanwhile, I'm just there sitting,
0: thinking, he doesn't understand Japanese, he has no idea what you said. So, two things. First of all, he's speaking Japanese, that was spoken 400 years ago, dialects tend to change over yeah. that kind of time. Also... I like, because he doesn't say protect our bloodline, he says protect my bloodline, which perhaps means to me that maybe Hanzo Hasashi doesn't even realize that Cole is his
1: descendant, he just thinks the little girl is his descendant. (laughs) Or the fact that, like, the other thing that implies that Cole has no idea what was said to is... In the opening of the movie, it specif- Hanzo even specifically says to But ha when he's talking to him, "is like, I have no idea what you said because your subtitles were Chinese and mine yeah. are Japanese. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know I'm going to kill you, blah, 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 and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that implies, like, you know, all the characters don't have fluency back and forth in the languages. And there's nothing to indicate that Cole- Cole's like, I'm just some guy from Chicago. Yeah. yeah. The
2: only character shown to have fluency in multiple languages was Sub-Zero.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: God damn. So, friends show up. They talk about how they won the day and then fucking Cheng Tsung shows up and he's like, you may have won today but next time I won't bring warriors, I'll bring armies, hinting at the next movie.
1: And, and while well, he's doing this whole monologue, Red right, just kind of like zaps him away it's like, he talks too much. <laughs> he talks way too much. Uh, and then we start
0: talking about how we gotta find new champions to see. Yeah, fight. Right, right.
1: It's like, we didn't have new champions we need to uh, find them and then That's where we get the hint to Johnny Cage, because Cole's like, oh, I can't fight in the MMA arena anymore. I gotta go to Hollywood. It's like, oh, what's in Hollywood? Not what. Ooh. Ooh. And then it it, it pans over to a Johnny Cage poster. Yeah, Citizen Cage, know your rights.
0: Yeah, it's great. Uh, And then the movie ends. And we're all the
1: better for it. Yeah, And and I will admit, like, plot-wise, it wasn't the best, but... It didn't don't need really to can. be. No, for a Mortal Kombat movie,
2: it did the job well.
0: Yeah. It did not need to have the perfect plot. It did exactly what it needed to do, which was involve combat between people with magical powers fighting to the
1: death. Now, I, what I will say is, I, if there is a big fault to the movie, it's that it felt very much like it wasn't its own conclusive story, and that it was only here to serve the purpose of setting up a future movie. Which, yeah. even though the director's like, oh, we're not planning this as, you know, like, multiple movies down the line, we want to focus on making the one movie. It's like, but did you, though? Because this really feels like you were like, man, this next movie's going to be crazy. It definitely,
0: like, I would say if they didn't have the line from Shang Tsung about next time I'll bring armies, I think the movie would have been 100% a fully standalone movie. I feel like they just threw in that fucking line to hint at future movies. I would say that the movie told a story on its own. It just also set up a future mm-hmm. story to be told.
2: Yeah, but even without
0: that line at the end about the armies everything about the movie
2: just plot wise was leading up to a tournament so that leaves you expecting to see it tournament.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah but then fucking cole has his line about how we're gonna give him a tournament and fight yep. 1v1 and 2v2 True. and 3v2 <laughs> and 5v1 if we get the chance <laughs> but we know that's not the god ordained mortal combat tournament
1: yeah. yeah so yeah i know
0: so it definitely was building to something that we didn't get to see There's very clearly going to be future movies that they have planned. Hopefully.
1: Because I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I would like there being
0: new ones. I think they have confirmed that they plan on making new ones. It just depends on if this one fucking fails miserably, then they're not going to bother. Please, I'm mad about the 55% uh, critic rating right now. That's bound to change. That's bound to fucking skyrocket, hopefully. The movie's been out for a day.
1: Yeah, as of recording this.
0: That's true. The only people who have seen it are the main people who have seen it probably at this point are the fucking pretentious critics who were hoping to see fucking uh, period piece about living in 1600s Japan or some yeah. shit like that.
2: And then people who are fans of the series who are dying to see this movie and wouldn't immediately go to Metacritic to uh, rate the movie
0: after enjoying it. Yeah. So what'd you guys think? Good movie, great movie, perfect movie. Flawless. No, no rating below any of those. Flawless victory, I might say. That wasn't one of the three ratings I gave you. I'm just kidding, <laughs> man. You're fine.
1: It's it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, it's not a perfect movie by no means, but it it did what it needed to do as a Mortal Kombat movie. Mm-hmm. I was entertained. I would like to see this continue.
0: I was. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'd probably also classify it as a great movie. The fact that like the Things we discussed not liking about the nineteen ninety five movie that were kind of not necessarily addressed, but were referenced or not referenced, but done better in this movie, like the fact that no one's as full as victory after getting the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> the fact that fucking we get the Kano wins. I don't think that was something we discussed about that, but I do feel like that was a good addition. The fact mm-hmm. that we saw more than one fatality. Yeah, like. Mm-hmm the things they added to this movie that weren't in the nineteen ninety five movie, I think, were all positive changes. And I'm only more excited to see where they go from here. Exactly. Cause they they even address the fact that there are characters outside of like the eight from the original movie, so they have something to build towards down the line.
1: Yeah. And Resurrection is a thing in the Mortal Kombat universe, so I think they're more embracing the magical aspect of it as well, where they can just ruthlessly kill off characters and have them come back. For example, Bihan, if you know the games, when he dies, comes back as Noob Saibot because he becomes a Revenant in much the same way as Scorpion does. So that's setting him up. Uh, as I mentioned, Goro getting killed this early is kind of the upsetting part because it kind of defangs him moving forward mm-hmm. if he's going to be a big part in the tournament. Because Shang Tsung can resurrect people. That's uh, yeah, really yeah.
0: Well, We should address that Shang Tsung makes a specific call to the fact that he can uh, resurrect people because he says, Death is just another portal. And we see him specifically use his portal magic on fucking Sub-Zero's corpse and on uh, fucking Goro's corpse. So I don't think we're going to see any of the others in the future movie. We might, but I think those are the two we're mostly going to see in future movies if we get them. Because they made a point of showing that those two will be resurrected. Hopefully Goro is better. Maybe. Not that I like disliked Goro, but I would like him to be a more imposing threat. Yeah. Maybe they'll give him mecha arms like Jax. And then he'll pull them off and realize the true stranger is inside him all along. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... I think going forward, we're probably going to get a movie... Like, the main antagonist of this movie may have been Shang Tsung. But the big threat of the movie was Sub-Zero all along. Mm-hmm. So I think going forward in the next movie, we probably will get Shang Tsung being more of a big threat. Well, well Shang Tsung's
1: the big villain at the end of the first tournament, right? Yeah. So, if they're going to continue to make at least the next movie in the storyline, it'll be, obviously, the tournament on Shang Tsung's Island. Shang Tsung will be the final boss of that one. And And then, um, at that point, if they're going to go forward and continue the story with, you know, the fight with Shao Kahn.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, if we get a trilogy out of these movies, it's probably going to be Shang Tsung, the big bad, in the next one, and then Shao Kahn in the third one. And Shao Kahn just invades Earthrealm because he doesn't care anymore.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So... With that being said, then, what characters do you think we should expect in the sequel? Obviously, Johnny Cage is an easy give. We know Johnny Cage will be in it. Yep.
2: Um, uh, that Nightwolf?
0: Is that the guy's name?
2: Yeah. Yeah, um,
0: probably, maybe him. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think we should expect him, but I really want them to have Kodokan in the next That's one. <laughs> Not even the next one. In the third one where they're fighting Shao Kahn, I want Kotal Kahn to show up.
1: Oh, Kotal Kahn is one of the generals for Shao Kahn. Yeah. But yeah, I think, obviously, they bring back Goro, and they could possibly bring back Kano, just, like, if they want to have the characters from that first tournament. Yeah, because the way
0: we saw Kano, we saw Kano get, like, scars all over the right side of his face, and then we specifically saw the fucking uh, gnome get stabbed into the right side of his face, which in the games is the part that's just a metal plate with the laser eye. So, it's very easy to say that they could
1: resurrect him or use fucking technology to bring him back to life yeah, with the fucking yeah. metal. And that could go into the thing of f- so far, we've only been told that you have to kill the person to get the mark, and nothing's been really specified on that. So, mm-hmm. it could be very much just defeating the person all you really need to do right. to get the mark. Yeah, and that also uh,
2: kind of begs the question from my mind anyway if someone got their power through being able to, or through having the mark. If the mark's taken away, do they still keep the power? I would assume they would. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I... Even though I said earlier that they need the power, the mark to get the power, I don't think they need the mark to keep the power. If the mark gets taken away through whatever means, I think they do maintain the power that they were given. Makes sense.
1: Uh, also, if they keep Melina dead, I can see that being the intro for Katana and why she's in the tournament. Yep. Yep, That's what I
2: was thinking. Because we also saw Katana's fan in uh, the temple.
1: Yeah. Uh, if... They want to do it a bit speeding things up. They could make it that uh, Sub-Zero returns in the tournament, but it's actually Earthrealm Kui Liang Sub-Zero, and then yeah. have Noob Saibot appear as one of the villains.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We could have a huge time jump and have... Uh, f- what's... Baraka. What? Baraka. No, I was thinking of fucking Johnny Cage's daughter. Cassie Cage. Cassie Cage. That'd be a huge time jump
1: to have her involved. I feel like you have to do the Mortal Kombat tournament that was less than a month away. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just mean they could have that one and then in the third one they could potentially have Cassie Cage.
2: Unfortunately, I don't really know all that many Mortal Kombat characters, so I don't know who could make an appearance after this. Ermac's another good one I could
0: show. Ermac is a, definitely a character who could possibly
1: make a showing. You see... My big problem is, I'm not confident in them doing Baraka. I, I'm not confident in anyone doing Baraka. I don't think anyone could do Baraka,
0: to be honest with you. Is there anything else yep. to be said about the movie then? It's great. Go see it. Pay lots of money to see it so they make a sequel. Yep. Or you do you see multiple times? Yeah, even if you've already seen it, go see it again after listening to this podcast. And then listen to this podcast again, and then see it again. <laughs> Create an endless cycle of seeing the movie. <laughs> okay, well in that case, uh, you know how we do this podcast. We talk about stuff and then we stop talking. And once we stop talking, we tell you to like check out our Instagram where we upload pictures when we upload episodes as well as when we record. Except we didn't do it for this one because this one's a be bite. It doesn't count. And
2: so, outside of this episode's release schedule, we're typically releasing on a bi-weekly basis, once every two weeks.
0: Also, uh, make sure if you have an idea for what our podcast could be about, or if you just have a question you want to ask us, or you just have something you want us to talk about in general, you can always shoot us an email. Uh, That email is whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. Spelt the way words are always spelt. Uh, And then... We got another episode another week because this one came out on and off schedule specifically because of Mortal Kombat. Also, I'm probably going to address this now. There's like a 60% chance that it's not what we hinted in our last podcast because fucking Halifax is going back into lockdown. And if that's the case, it's going to be something entirely different. And then we'll talk about what we hinted at talking about then.